a revolutionary age is an age of action. Ours is an age of advertisement and publicity. Nothing ever happens, but there is immediate publicity everywhere. In the present age, a rebellion is, of all things, the most unthinkable. That seems true and depressing. Yeah. Isn't it weird how advertisement and publicity seem like old-fashioned words? It's like, now we call that, like, life? I don't know. It's different. I know. Kierkegaard. Oh, yeah. It is Kierkegaard. Really? Yeah. Oh. The present age. Shocking. We could have this discussion another time. <laughs> I see all these people here. Okay, all right. You, know, you can always find out uh, where the reading's from by yeah. um, looking at the program, which you can get by looking at the QR code on the back of the hymnal. Yeah. So. You can also uh, give money, too, through there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can. It's hard to get in the phone sometimes, but you push hard enough, it goes right into our <laughs> bank account. Yeah. Thanks for being here at the House of Mercy on this. I don't know. It feels to me like fall is in the air a little bit. I think so. You ready for it? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here if you're live streaming. We're happy to see you. Oh, yeah. Or listening to the podcast. Excellent. We appreciate your being part of the community. We got some stuff coming up that's uh, really great stuff. I'm going to say this real quick first is that um, I don't know if you guys were here when Phyllis preached about Mary Magdalene. Um, it was a fantastic sermon. You can still you can look it up. It's on uh, the website in the archive. But uh, she is going to teach a class on one of the books that she used uh, in for her her research on that. It's uh, by Cynthia Bourgeau, The Meaning of Mary Magdalene, Discovering the Woman at the Heart of Christianity. And uh, it's going to be fantastic. Starting October 6th, 7 p.m. If you're interested, talk to Phyllis. Oh, she's up there. Uh, or me. More info to come. I hope some of you can make it to the final event in our midway summer. We've been getting together with Bethlehem to try and get people talking, having conversations from the neighborhood and both our churches. And the last one is Saturday, September 24th from 1 to 3. There'll be a catered meal there. The topic of the conversation is crime rates drop when neighbors talk. Which is true. It is true. Since we've been making these announcements, the crime rate has dropped already. It's amazing. I know. So please come out and join the conversation. Also, so and next week is, boy, there's so much going on next week. It's the Feast of Jonah, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, liturgical, music, arts, feasting. It's going to be outside. And important things to remember. One, we're meeting at 4.30 from next week on, I guess. Well, I mean, it'll be for an hour. It won't be continuous, uh, but starting every Sunday. And also, we are going to introduce you to the new House of Mercy House Band. We'll be debuting that uh, on that day. So uh, it's good. come and find out, see who they are. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, and there'll be a great meal. Great meal. And we will also be consecrating uh, the new mosaic uh, by Angie, that's going to be right out there. Fantastic. Oh, you can see it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. And uh, anything else that's going on there? I'm I mean, sure so there much. Are, yeah. 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 It's going to be. 430 Feast of Jonah. 430 Feast of Jonah. Oh, here it is. We need help um, with uh, setting up 
taking down, cleaning up. If you're interested, uh, please talk to me. Remember, it, the setting up thing will be earlier as well. Right, like 3.30 or something. Yeah, something like that. I'm anxious to get started. What can we? Let's do it. All right. Well, let's just say a quick hello to the band. Glad to see you all here and uh, sound great. I love that Bob Dylan song. So I uh, love your version of it. Uh, so let's. Uh... This is the House of Mercy. Yeah. And welcome to it. God of mercy, it can seem nonsensical, it can seem futile at times, considering the material realities all around, to hope in you, a God we can hardly accurately imagine, much less define or contain. And yet we pray that you will be with us, and we pray that your love will change the world. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Let's pass the peace.
wait on the water, wait on the water, children, wait on the water. God's gonna trouble the water, see that host all dressed in white. God's gonna trouble the water. Must be the children of the Israelites. God's gonna trouble the water. I said, wait on the water. Wait on the water, children. Wait on the water. God's gonna trouble the water. See that band all dressed in red? God's gonna trouble the water. Looks like the band and Moses led. God's gonna trouble the water. I said, wait on the water. Wait on the water, children. Wait, wait on the water. God's gonna trouble the water. Look over yonder, what did I see? God's gonna trouble the water. Hey, coming on me. God's gonna trouble the water. I said, wait on the water. Wait on the water, children. Wait, wait on the water. God's gonna trouble the water If you don't believe that I've been reading God's gonna trouble the water Just follow me down the Jordan stream God's gonna trouble the water I said wait on the water Wait on the water children wait wait on the water god's gonna trouble the water god's gonna trouble the water i said god's gonna trouble the water i said god's gonna trouble the Thank you. I won't be hopeless without your goodness. I won't be desperate without your love. Slave to darkness If it wasn't for the cross You have won me With your kindness Chase me down 
When I was lost, where would I be? If it wasn't for the cross, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus was a prisoner. No, I'm not. Mother, blood, you bought my freedom. Hallelujah for the cross. I was ashamed of wellness, mercy. Now your mercy will be my song and all the glory, all the power of the cross. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I was a prisoner. Now I'm not With your blood you Bought my freedom Hallelujah for the cross Whoa, whoa By your stripes I'm healed By your death I live The power of sin is overcome it is finished, it is done By your stripes I'm healed By your death I live The power of sin is overcome It is finished, hallelujah Thank you, Jesus I was a prisoner Now I'm not with your blood you bought my freedom hallelujah for the cross hallelujah thank you Jesus I was a prisoner now I'm not with your blood you but my freedom, hallelujah for the cross, hallelujah for the cross. I invite you to join me now in the prayers of community. Let's pray. God of mercy, we pray for the world, for the water and the soil and the people and birds and every creature, that life would flourish for all of creation, that people would get enough to eat, that species would not become extinct, that instead of somehow fighting and taming and killing, we would learn to sustain and nurture and let things grow, even outside of our control. We need to learn to get along with others and to stop using things up and expanding our territory. We pray for the world. God, in your mercy. 
God of mercy, it's remarkable we survive birth and fragility, that we are children who grow up, that we survive our raising, that our parents survive our leaving, that we survive their aging and death, that we are not somehow completely undone by the whole process. Thank you that we live and find happiness and survive unhappiness. We pray for plant families and for partners, for children and parents, especially those in the midst of transitions, that your love will hold us all. God, in your mercy, God of mercy, we pray for the church, that it will stumble along and manage to point to some truth that it never even fully understands, but that the world needs to hear. A place and people that knows it doesn't know, but trusts in you. It does seem a little crazy, but we pray that this will be the character of the church and that it will continue by grace. God, in your mercy, we pray for all of those who are in pain. It is such an uncomfortable and sometimes terrifying place to be, to hurt. We want so much not to. We pray for relief from pain for those who are suffering it, physically, emotionally, spiritually. We pray for some sort of freedom from fear. We pray for healing for Asher and Steve, for Cindy and Jerry. God, in your mercy. Amidst our going and talking and making noise and striving and acting and pretending, enable us to stop and be quiet, to know ourselves and know that you are God. Hear our prayers and our confessions as we pause for silence. Thank you for your mercy. Amen. Today's reading is from Luke 16, 1 through 13. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, make it fifty. Then he asked another, How much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill, make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful 
in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will, you, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The word of the Lord. So here we are. In warehouse number one, up the metal stairs at the back, in the general manager's office of the American Fruit and Produce Company. Present are Steve Swenson and Lefty Spano. Steve, his early 30s, slim fit suit, no tie, is standing just inside the office door, standing and then pacing. A few feet forward, and then a few feet back, standing, pacing, repeat, like he can't fully commit to entering the office or leaving. Lefty, at the late end of his 40s, is sitting behind the desk, short sleeves, haggard dress shirt, tie thrown back over his shoulder, holding a meatball sub with both hands, chin cocked forward, paused inches from taking a bite. Steve moves forward into the office. Lefty moves the meatball sub back, holding it just above the paper wrapping spread flat on his desk to catch the red sauce drips. Steve turns around and heads back to the door. Lefty takes this opportunity to take a bite. As he lifts the meatball sub to his mouth, Steve turns around to face him. Lefty pauses just before he takes a bite. Steve starts back into the office. Lefty lowers the meatball sub to the hover above the paper wrapper position. This happens six more times. Steve finally stays just inside the door. Stands there. Sighs big, frustrated. Shakes his head. This is it, Lefty. You're done. You're done. I want everything by the end of the week. I want to see all the numbers. I want to know where we're at so I can figure out how to clean up this mess. And then I want you out. Okay, pause. No, I'm pausing, not at the characters in the story. I'm really I'm pausing from the story. Because I want to just tell you right now uh, that... This whole sermon is really just kind of an updated, fleshed-out retelling of the parable that we just read. And the parable is pretty confusing. Um, and this is not a very successful retelling either, because, uh, I mean, as far as, like, insightful interpretation of biblical text goes, it won't help you at all. I just want to let you know up front. Um, yeah, this, this text, a lot of heavy lifting. I'll be honest with you. I mean... This is a this is some tough hauling, you know. This is some uh well I don't really get it, you know. It's like man cannot serve two masters. That's how it ends up. All of this confusing stuff. Then at the end, one can oh a slave. No, that's even worth a slave cannot serve two masters, or he'll hate one and love the other. I got a suspicion he might hate both of them, the slave, I'm just saying. Um God and wealth. So 
I guess I'll just tell you straight up, in case you drift off, it's a strong possibility, we're going to land with, you can't serve two masters, both God and wealth. You should decide to serve God, not wealth. Back to the story. And let me go back a couple of minutes before Steve Swanson even arrives. Let me take you just right outside of warehouse number one. Here's Steve. He pulls up. He gets out of his Range Rover, up the cement steps at the loading dock, at the end of the loading dock, through the metal doors to the wide open floor of the warehouse, follows the signs that say office with the black arrow underneath. He stays between the thick yellow lines and hopefully avoids being run over by more forklifts or pallet movers being pulled by men with earphones not paying attention. Now he's up the metal stairs to the top landing where we see the office, the window starting halfway up, and the name of the company in gold letters on the door. So he goes through the door, past the receptionist to the back office. The door is standing open, and behind the desk, unwrapping a meatball sub, is his lefty Spano. Yes, he's Italian. I know, it sounds like some cliche gangster name, right? Uh, but lefty is no gangster. As a matter of fact, the way he got his nickname came as the result of his continued inability as a kid to act in even the most simplest gangster-like ways. Because like in the neighborhood where he grew up, every kid, they wanted to be gangsters, you know, like an old school gangster. Not like in the shooting and arm-busting and forcing way of an old school, but like in the scheming way, in the shrewd, like a heist way. They wanted to do heists, plan heists. So growing up, Lefty and his friends, they'd get together and they would plan these heists. Like uh, one time they, they stole kegs of beer from the Schmidt Brewery and then sold them to the other kids. Or they'd work out ways to change the student IDs from their school to make it look like old enough so they could go to R-rated movies. And then they sold them back, charged the kids. Or they would shoplift from the department store and then return the items and get the cash. Schemes, all these schemes. Uh, not bad for youngins. But in all these schemes, Lefty, he was enthusiastic. He was present there all the time. You know, when they came to the meeting to plan these things out. As a matter of fact, a lot of him, Lefty, uh, he had a lot of the ideas himself. He could come up with these schemes. Um, but when it came time to actually meeting, to get together, to pull off the heist, he was inevitably late. He would miss the rest of the gang at the meeting place. Or he would say he could tell that the store security was following him, so he couldn't really take a risk at all. He got this reputation of never quite following through on any of these scheming plans that they came up with, which is why we, the rest of his friends attributed this to a kind of like a laziness, a, a, an unwillingness to take risks or do any of the hard work. So they started calling him Lazy. That's what his nickname was, Lazy. But he protested. He protested. So Jeff Martinez said, well, then uh, what, what do you want us to call you? Lazy was quick to answer because he'd spent quite a few daydream hours coming up with a really great gangster nickname. He told them, call me Sinistra. 
What? Jeff Martinez said. Everybody else started laughing. It's Italian, said Lazy. Well, what does Sinatra mean in Italian? It's Sinistra, Lazy said. It means sinister. This made everyone laugh even more, looking at Lazy. Then Ralph Sorelli said, it means left, like the opposite of right. Lazy said, yeah, I mean, it means that too. But then Jeff Martinez said, like left, like left behind, or like left out of the payoff? <laughs> okay, that's a perfect name for you, Lazy Lefty. And that was it. Lazy Lefty was his name. Now, as the group of friends got older and realized they would never be con men and they moved on to other dreams and then they moved on further to no dreams and a steady paycheck, his nickname just got shortened to Lefty. So there's Lefty sitting at his desk, unwrapping the meatball sub. Now you or I looking around this office, you'd see what? You'd see piles of documents and computer printouts and post-it notes with urgent messages on it and files spilling off uh, tables. And uh, you might think that that early nickname, Lazy, uh, was a pretty accurate one. But it, it is true that Lefty was always behind in his work, never followed through, never quite got the job done. He no longer had any of the enthusiasm that had gotten him promotion after promotion to where finally, under the new ownership, Steve, a decade or so ago, he was named the general manager of the American Fruit and Produce Company. But the reason he lacked enthusiasm when he got that position, I think, is the same reason that he never quite made it on time to pull off the scams or the schemes or the heists in his days as a kid. Because Lefty didn't really like ripping people off. He felt bad. He didn't want to take things from people, money. He didn't want to take things from stores. He liked the idea he liked to think of the outfits he might wear pulling off the schemes, but he really didn't want to rip people off. And he did not realize when he was awarded the job of general manager that the job was mostly to make sure that the American Fruit and Produce Company never made a profit. It was a complicated business involving off-book deals with suppliers and investments from parent companies and offshore corporations and uh, transferring funds into subsidiaries. But uh, as his boss had told him many times, I bought this company so I could show a loss. And every quarter, you do better than break even costs me more money than you could know. Okay, so here comes Steve. He came up the stairs. He came in the door. Steve Swenson, looking 10 years younger than Lefty, with the good hair. Looks like he worked out. Even though he's two, only two years younger, Steve Swenson got it going on. Steve, 
is not from St. Paul, from the east side like Lefty. Steve never wanted to be a gangster or a con man. Steve Swenson grew up in Richfield and now has a house on Lake Minnetonka and all he ever wanted to be was in business. He went up those concrete stairs. He went through that metal door. He went between those yellow lines through the warehouse, up the metal steps, taking them two at a time into the office, past the receptionist, into Lefty's office, and he stops. Steve Swenson has owned the American Fruit and Produce Company for the last decade. Steve Swenson does not care about the produce business. He doesn't know that much about it at all, actually. He has made his money in real estate uh, through these three budget hotel chains that he built by buying property early and developing second ring and third ring suburbs and be the first to build, buying and building, buying and building, buying and building. And as the suburbs and the business parks move further out, he sells the inner ring properties and buys farther out and builds more. He makes his money by keeping it moving, and then he brings it to the American Fruit and Produce Company where it disappears. The American Fruit and Produce Company is where his money is supposed to disappear. It was designed to disappear. Only, of course, on paper, on paper, the American Fruit and Produce Company is designed to operate at such a loss that it offsets a majority of the profits from his other buildings. But Lefty, when Lefty got involved, it got to him. At first he did what he was told and made the money go away, the money disappear, and followed the instructions. But after a while, he just stopped. He never fight finished. He never got around. Some quarters, they even made money. Steve Swenson, after he told Lefty he was done, went back to his SUV, Lefty put down his sandwich, wiped his mouth, the back of his hand, and thought, what am I gonna do? I can never make as much money working legitimately as I am now, losing money, I never went to college. I'm never gonna go back to any, working on any loading dock. I'm too old. So Lefty, who was always good at scheming, he figures something out. He figures out what he can do. He doesn't have to take money from these people. He doesn't have to commit these crimes. He can. He can go through, he can contact all these customers that he's been trading with. He can go back through all the books, pull out all the records over the last 10 years. He can trace the profits from the hotel chains that have been funneled in the American Fruit and Produce Company, the very real profits. He can make it all reappear, all that money that was lost. He can make it reappear and then as a result of an anonymous tip to the IRS, 
Steve Swenson will be charged with the largest case of tax fraud in state's history. Of course he does not do this. This is not a heist movie. Do you think he's that smart? He's going to figure all this stuff? Or do you think he's got that, like, you know, he's going to go out there and confront Steve and he's going to go and he's like, he doesn't have that kind of whatever it would take. This whole thing, you cannot serve money, wealth, and you cannot serve God. So you're supposed to choose. Okay, let's all choose to serve just God starting now. Of course you can't choose. You have to serve money. You will serve money. We will, we don't have a choice. I mean, really, are you gonna, you're gonna just, you're just opting out of the economy? You cannot do it. It's not possible. Serve two masters. I mean, if you only serve one, it's gonna be money. So maybe the best choice is the two. Your will will not be done. You do not have the power to choose God over wealth. So what then do we do? No, I mean, I really don't have an answer. Well, we can love our neighbor. You know, all through Luke, the Gospel of Luke, he keeps reiterating that, love God, love your neighbor. We can do that. That's clear. That's not confusing. We not, might not be able to choose whether or not to participate in the soul-crushing, bone-grinding machine that makes the world work for the oligarchs and the plutocratic, anti-democratic regime. But we can choose to love our neighbor, acknowledge, be open to the radical love and mercy of God, to be filled with it, overflowing, to where it might seep out. And maybe if enough of it does, from all of us, it'll run down, drain in to the cogs, the machinery, or maybe start to muck things up.
listening to the House of Mercy podcast. You can experience all this live every Sunday at 5. Check houseofmercy.org for all the details. House of Mercy is a church in St. Paul. You should come. It's not that bad. Thank you.